God damn it, I'm gonna have that song stuck in my head now. I know. I have it stuck in my head too from this movie. I mean, solid choice. Of course. It's you will always stuck be a part of me. Stop the Oh boy, you're never gonna change it. Oh baby, cause you'll always be my baby. That's a beautiful rendition. Thank you very much. Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Rene Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch Rob Gobbs and then record our thoughts and place it on the interwebs for the tens and tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing on this gloomy Sunday? Well, I watched couple of squirrels fight in the park this morning so <laughs> i think it's off to an exciting start for a day they, those things are nasty little things if they want to be they're adorable <laughs> but jesus especially this time I mean, of year when it comes to one's nuts there is there's bound <laughs> to be fights <laughs> how you doing i'm doing well i uh i you surviving uh, over there? I haven't seen you in so long. Yeah, I'm surviving. I was drinking earlier, and now I'm driving. Where are them bad bitches, huh? Where y'all hiding? I got the power to make your life so exciting. Oh, back when Kanye <laughs> was good. Yeah, back when Kanye was good. That was that was kind of yeah. That was literally his peak. My beautiful Oof. dark twisted fantasy, and it just it's been all downhill from there. Nonetheless, <sighs> uh, we're not here to talk about. Kanye West, though we're here to talk about movies, um, we are. Yeah, yeah. So, speaking of, I can't think of a segue. Speaking of songs, <laughs> we watch oh. "Always Be My Baby." Yeah, that's bad. I, oh. That's what I'm saying. We that's partially that's partially my fault. Like I, we didn't we didn't set each other up for anything there. Like I, yeah, we didn't really have much of a, a preamble to talk. Yeah, about. yeah, we we. I think we talked too much off air. We didn't, we didn't yeah. have anything to talk about on air. It's like speaking of squirrels, we watched "Always Be My Baby." I don't, yeah, I don't like. Yeah. I don't even know. Like I said, the first thing I thought of, and I was just like, "I got nowhere to go after this." If like, you had seen, if you had seen like two kids, you know, one boy, one girl who looked like they were eight or nine walking around in the park, you know, looking like they were long-time friends then maybe we would have had a segue but no it had to be squirrels fighting well you know me i want these segues to happen organically i don't want to softball them in there for you i gotta <laughs> i gotta see your talents at work fuck your squirrels is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> anyway yes you watched always be my maybe a movie uh set in san francisco um and uh, it's a Netflix original. Um, Max, this was your first time watching it, correct? Yep. Yep. And... First time watching it. First time hearing about it was, okay. like I said, last week when I was thumbing through some of the new movies that are up on Netflix. Now all the rom-coms that are up there. It's essentially, after every movie we've ever watched on there, it comes up and it just suggests non-stop rom-coms for me now. Yeah. So... I think the only thing next is some, you know, tailored commercial for Go Puff and a pint of ice cream. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, anyone who hasn't used Go Puff yet, but if they're available, uh, hit me up. I will refer you. I'll get a $60 credit if you use it for the first time um, for my referral. And if you're from Go Puff, hit us up for that sponsorship opportunity. Yes. Have you used Go Puff? Um... I, I will say I have. I will. I, I mean, send. I, I. I might as well try it. Yeah, I'd send me one, and if yeah. it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Then. Yeah. All right. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I use GoPuff for all of my snacking desires. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so uh, this was my second time watching this film. Um, the first time I watched it right around when it came out, uh, which was, you know, last year um, in May. Mm-hmm. And I remember like seeing it and, you know, like enjoying it. Um, but I, I had read reviews and like there are a lot of articles about it beforehand, like on, you know, sites like Vulture and The Ringer and things like that, that I had read beforehand. And there were a lot of glowing reviews. So I feel like if reviews can kind of hamper like and I mean, we've kind of talked about this before, but like with our reviews, we just try to kind of give an idea of, you know, what you're in for. Yeah, just kind of an idea of what you're in for and whether or not, you know, it's the kind of movie that I would watch a bunch of times or one time or not watch at all. Mm -hmm. And and then you can kind of make your but you can make your opinion based off of our sensibilities. Right. Right. But when you read like articles and things like that, sometimes like their reviews and everything else can kind of hamper my opinion of something. Is, like, that, is you, that because you put more weight on those reviews or just because it's it's reading? Yeah, where it's like if with. I'm if I'm reading articles on this site, then I obviously think that the opinions and views stated on this site match my own and therefore elevate my expectations of things. Mm, yeah. And so yeah, and that's so, very true. There were some so reading articles beforehand of this movie elevated my expectations, and then it and so my expectations were slightly too high, but I did enjoy it that first time. So coming into this one, my expectations were slightly too low, and it exceeded my expectations this time. And we'll go into that. Well, that's and good. so yeah, so you know we'll we'll discuss you know bits and pieces of the movie, but I just. I found I found like this movie especially was something that kind of that like reviews really altered my view of it. Um, mm. So, well, I so, mean, yeah. that's I guess that's no different than uh, I guess it's just a modernized version, but really no different than word of mouth reviews. Like if all of your mm-hmm. friends go to see a movie when you're a teenager and they're all talking it up and you know, saying all these rave reviews about it to you at school the next day, you're of course going to want to go see it. And just because you're friends doesn't mean they all have the same taste in movies that you do. So you might have these huge lofty expectations going into it and then get there and be like, no, this is not my, not my kind of movie. So I guess in a weird way, they're kind of like kind of a commentary on, growing up i guess is we don't rely on word of mouth as much anymore now we rely on reviews and the internet yeah yeah i'd agree with that um so let's get into some of the the stats and overviews of this movie here so always be my maybe is a 2019 american romantic comedy film written by ali wong and randall park and michael galamko and directed by nanachka khan it also stars Randall Park and Wong as childhood friends Marcus and Sasha, who have not been in touch since a brief teenage fling ended badly. And when Sasha returns to San Francisco to open a restaurant and romantic chemistry from their teenage years remains, Marcus's fears and Sasha's fame and demanding career challenge their potential new relationship. The film also stars James Saito, um, Michelle Buteau, Vivian Bang. Daniel Day Kim and Keanu Reeves also starts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so, uh, this movie was released on May 31st, 2019 on Netflix. And the running time of the film is 102 minutes, which is, I think, a solid time. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you have a guess? As to what its Rotten Tomato score is. How many we got? 94 reviews. Okay. Um, 
It is an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Yes. No wonder why your expectations were hyped. Yeah. Uh, the past, right, so uh, Cliff Lee of Globe and Mail wrote, past the performances, the remarkable part of Always Be My Maybe is how the film inhabits Asian American culture. Um, okay. And uh, there's also uh, Leah Greenblatt of Entertainment Weekly gave it a B rating. Uh but it's considered a positive review and wrote Netflix seems to have found its true purpose in original movie programming over the past year, clever, endlessly memeable rom-coms meant to be watched on the floor in your weird pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree with that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Michael O'Sullivan gets it best for the Washington post rating it three out of four, uh, Rather, the screenplay, which was co-written by Wong and Park with help from Michael Galamko, uh, settles into a relaxed groove that allows its main characters to play at what they do best. Hmm. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I mean, none of those are very far off. I think those are all... Solid reviews, but yeah, it's, it sounds, it make it does make it sound really good going into it blindly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as far as the, uh, like what I found interesting here as well on the reading about how this came up and everything, uh, how they came up with the idea. Well, like first off, Ali Wong and Randall Parker met in the late nineties during a fried rice cooking competition hosted by a mutual friend from the LCC theater company, mm-hmm. which was an Asian American performance group park co-founded while attending UCLA. Um, <laughs> That's cool. And then they stayed in touch and remained close friends and supportive through each other's projects uh, in Hollywood. And then in 2016, uh, Wong mentioned in a New Yorker interview that she and Park had been working for years to develop our version of When Harry Met Sally. Oh. Uh, and then Vulture, which is a, a website I used to read until they started making people pay for articles and then I stopped reading it. Um, it but the Vulture's Jackson McHenry wrote a column in enthusiastic support of the project with the headline, Dear Hollywood, Please Make Ali Wong and Randall Park's Dream Rom-Com. And then the project picked up steam. And then in August 2017, Netflix announced it greenlit it. Uh, and then they started making it in 2018. Huh. Yeah. That's a pretty cool backstory. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Keanu Reeves especially was uh, <laughs> like the. Yeah. How the, the hell does he fit into all this? So they wrote the part, they wrote the scene and they wrote the part and he was the pipe dream. Like he was the dream guy that they had written. They're like, there's no way we'll get him, but he's the guy that we hope we get sort of thing. So they actually wrote the part thinking of him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and then uh, <laughs> the director wrote, or the director mentioned uh, he's the dream guy. Uh, like, we don't know what his schedule is, but this would be amazing. And, and Randall Park said, we all thought it was going to be impossible to get him. Like, what was the like, likelihood of him being available? And then also him being willing to play himself. So let's try to think of other people that we could get. And so uh, they had other alternatives, including M. Night Shyamalan and Paul Giamatti. were <laughs> 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 two alternatives they thought of. Oh, my God. Those <laughs> are so Which would have been real different. interesting shit. That would be real interesting shit. Um, and then... Uh, what ended up happening is uh, uh, Reeves was actually a big fan of Wong's stand-up and was on board from the start and found a way to shoot his scene around his schedule. That's awesome. He was, he was like, I would be honored to play the part to be part of this love story. The director Khan said, um, and then Reeves went over the script with Wong and Khan at the Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles. And, 
he, uh, Keanu uh, pitched a couple of things that made it in, like wearing glasses that had no lens, uh, Ali Wong noted. And the part in the game night scene where he lists all these Chinese dignitaries, that was all his idea. <laughs> and, he, and when he says, I don't have a problem, Sasha, what's your problem? And starts air fighting. It's hard to describe just how shockingly funny he is. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I was hoping a lot of that was him because yeah. it sure seemed like it. You could see there was a, a fair amount of um, just like improv throughout the movie. Like yes. just lines are kind of thrown out. But also, yeah, just from Keanu Reeves' performance, it just looked like he was just like there having a good time. He really did look like he was enjoying the part. Like he was yeah. really just having fun with it. I agree. Um, so let's start here um, with what did you think of Ali Wong and Randall Park as the protagonists of the film? I really loved them. There were a couple, yeah. there were a couple parts that tripped me up in dialogue, especially with, um, Oh, now I'm blanking on his character's name. Marcus. Yeah. Um, especially with Marcus, some of his lines or maybe it was his delivery. I'm not sure if it was the script or if it was him, but there were a couple lines that tripped me up, but otherwise for the most part, they were a fantastic duo. Mm-hmm. What'd you I, think of their, their chemistry? Did they, I mean, did they bring it to life? Cause I thought it did. I mean, it, it just, it shows that they had known each other for so long in real life and that right? they are close friends in real life because my God, just the, the chemistry between the two of them, when, when their relationship was on, it was on like, I, it provided all those, you know, swoons and, you know, mm -hmm. good feelings of seeing them on screen together in a relationship. And like when they're fighting, you're, you're just like, you know, you kind of just like, stop fighting guys, just be together. Like, what are we doing here? You know, there was, a, it was, they were so easy to root for as a couple Definitely. in this film. And, and like, and we, you know, we'll go into it when we talk about specific parts of the film. Um, but just it, they work together extremely well. Um, and they, they brought to life just how uh, relatable those two characters can be. And, and well, and yes. those two as a, as a dynamic is believable. Like yeah. it, it's a little less, you know, relatable to, you know, a mass audience to watch a famous chef and, you know, go walk the red carpet, that sort of thing. Like that, her character wasn't necessarily relatable, but their dynamic was so alive that mm -hmm. their relationship was relatable. Not, not necessarily their personalities or their careers or anything independent of e either of them. That whole dynamic for the whole hour and what was it, 40 minutes that we were watching it? Yeah. Hour that, 42. Like everything about the two of them was very relatable. Their arguments they're like you said, they're swooning every emotion, mm -hmm. all the feels, all very pure emotional moments. And yeah, that is, I, I completely agree with you. I like that you, you noticed that as well. The, yeah, there, the scenes were set up in a way and like the dialogue was set up in a way where it felt very lived in, like, that is a conversation that's had in real life. Yeah. That we've just had on screen sort of thing. Um, I mean, there were, there were so many moments that I felt so hard with or, or like flashed back to moments that were very similar in my life, you know, with my relationships or, or whatever, like even with friends, the types of arguments you have as, as a childhood friend or types of conversations you had with your best friend growing up kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like it was all very, very perfectly encapsulated in those two. I thought they did a great job of, of like you said, conveying the familiarity between them. Yeah. But, you know, I, it, it's hard to like, like pinpoint or like point out one particular 
like scene that I think I just every yeah, time cause... that they talked, it just felt very real. <laughs> like um, I, just whatever they're in the car. Um, well, like when they're in the Corolla initially and she's looking at the back seat, and then how he just like is brutally honest, like, oh, where we had sex, like that was something I, I mentioned in the live tweet. Like every time that they were like I loved how honest with that they were with each other, and I just yeah. wish that they were honest more often. Like they they were honest all the time. But that's why the movie gets to be what it is. Like you they, have to have the points where they can't where they don't feel strong enough to be honest with each other because that's what creates the breakups and the, the things that you overcome in order to get to the happy ending at the end. But whenever they're honest with each other, it's great on screen. It's fun to watch when they're honest with each other on screen. And, and maybe the lesson there is that, you know, like we've said in previous episodes that really you have to, what do you have to do before you trust someone else or let someone else trust you? You have to trust yourself. So maybe that was what they're conveying is that both of them had their own stuff that they needed to, to come to terms with themselves. Parental issues. Surprise, surprise. Yes. Parental issues. (laughs) Yeah. Although in the case of Marcus, it was just, you know, a mom unexpectedly dying. And in the case of uh, Sasha, this case of absentee parents. Which, and and Marcus's mom dying, which in. Right. So like, yeah, there's a little extra on her end, but. Which I really. Now that we've brought it up and I think about it, I didn't think about this during the movie, but now that we're talking about it, I really like that they paired those two and showed that, I mean, obviously they put more emphasis on Marcus's loss, Mm -hmm. but I'm glad that they paired the two in a way that showed just because they're brutally different outcomes, they can still both have just as detrimental impacts. Mm-hmm. And just as widespread and long lasting into adulthood impacts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not to say that, oh, well, he lost his mother at a young age. So therefore, you know, he gets he gets the pass. Of course, he went through the worst. It's like, well, no, everyone goes through their shit and it fucks us all up differently. Yeah. How about we just all start with, hey, we're all fucked up. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just agree on that and move forward. Yeah. So and, I I did appreciate that 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 little juxtaposition I liked. Yeah, and it was just it wasn't necessarily a matter of what the trauma is; it was more of what's the reaction to the trauma. Exactly. How do you let it impact you? How do you learn from yeah. it? How do you grow from it? Yes, exactly. How does it change um, you? Yeah, and I thought that the initial reaction to the trauma was well done, and that would be when. Uh, you know, Sasha says to Marcus, you know, hey, let's get out of here. Like, you know, right after his mom has died and there's the whole, you know, memorial and everything. And she gets him out of the house. Another very believable scene. Yeah. And like when they're in the car, just like the sitting together and just like being together just as, you know, two teenagers who just went through this horrible life of it and and just trying to figure things out and being you know and to live again like that all felt real and made sense and everything else and yeah and it led to also one of the funnier scenes of the film (laughs) which is in the funnier little bits which is ali wong as sasha singing untitled how does it feel (laughs) (laughs) with braces on Seriously, I that was the one thing I remembered the very first time I watched it, and it was just as funny the second time. She I was it. killing it. I dude, I, I laughed so hard so many times throughout this movie with she, little bits like that. Ali Wong can deliver a fucking line. My she god, she really can. She it, absolutely owned her role. Yeah, it and it. <laughs> she's she's really fun to watch <laughs> she's, just, she's so like full of life and animated and shit it's hilarious yes, her facial expressions her physical, everything yes her oh man 
It like she's obviously showing off the braces as she's singing, yep, like knowingly yep. know it that that's where the comedy is, and and then the way she's like defensive when Marcus is like, you don't even know the words. She's like, it's the Angelo, it's sensual. You don't need to know the words. <laughs> it's just, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, just chef's kiss to that. Just so, so wonderful. Um, and then, like, you know, of course, Marcus laughs because, once again, it's funny as fuck. And then she just, re- she's happy he laughs and she realizes she's she's overcome and has to kiss him. Like, that, I mean, Honestly, that's, I think, the kiss of the movie. They kiss a lot in the movie, but I think that first one in that car at that moment is the kiss of the film. Yeah, it it brought me back to the innocence of high school, you know, romance and young love and all that. And mm-hmm. just, like, the awkwardness of it all. It, oh, my God. That whole scene, so fucking real like so many things about it were bringing me back on oh my god oh my god yeah they they nailed it this is mm-hmm. this is so awkward and so weird and you don't know what the fuck you're doing but you're just kind of riding on the impulses yeah and it's just like it just the whole he laughs she's happy he's laughed and it's just like that that light bulb goes off in her head like oh my gosh making this guy happy makes me happy to a large extent and i just have to like i have to kiss him right now and it's just like that whole those synapses in your brain like that don't necessarily make logical sense but make logical sense at that moment that's so real like that's just how they captured that in the script and in the performances and in everything in that moment is so real yeah oh totally totally that's why like for me i'd give that kiss like a a solid a minus myself i i from the off like the awkward real life lived in moment to of it to the actual performance of the kiss to you know the obvious comedy that leads up to it all of it i'd give it an a minus hmm Do you think yeah. that's a kiss of the movie as well? Or do you think one of the other ones? Is? I don't, yeah, I don't know. There's a couple thoughts running through my head right now. I'm, I like that kiss as the like symbolic kiss of the movie because you're right. It meant mm-hmm. so much to both of them. It was such a, a Kickstarter to their actual life together. To their romantic relationship together. Yeah. yeah. To their, to the romantic story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then of course we have the the true stereotypical rom com kiss at the end, mm-hmm. where he leaps over the red carpet rope and yeah, grabs her, and you know that's a beautiful kiss too. And I think the kiss there is the best kiss in the movie. Like the actual kiss itself is mm. a great kiss, and like you know me, I'm a sucker for good kisses. Like if there's a good passionate kiss. It sends the tingles down my spine. It's it's good to see that love connection. So you're you like the big old like crane shot fade out? Yeah, like I, large I, I like kisses. the. I personally am more about the authentic lived in. Like I've that moment. I've lived that moment. Like I'm more into that with kisses myself. Yeah. Um, I know from experience that that isn't the best of moments to think back on. And I'm just Mm. thinking of like the happier, I guess, pure rom-com, you know, essentially unbelievable, you know, cartoony ish kiss is the one that I think back on more than the, you know, less than happy memory kind of thing. I gotcha. You know what I mean? I gotcha. So, but I will agree that that like I loved that kiss. Like if it was, if everything about this movie was storybook, it wouldn't work. You got to have the give and take. You got to have the balance, and that's why the final scene, the final kiss, where it's all 
you know, fairy tale-ish is okay because the rest of the movie wasn't like that. Yeah. So it's like after all the shit they've gone through, after all the back and forth, after all of that buildup, now you want to just fuck everything. Let's no holds barred, real passionate kiss. And that's usually that's usually the one that I get more drawn to. I think. I would say. I gotcha. Well, what would you give that fairy tale kiss? The fairy tale kiss, I would give a solid I would give a solid B plus. It was it was beautiful. It did its job. It was it, it was well executed and they put a lot of effort into it, but it wasn't anything, you know, too unique or different or game changing. I gotcha. Okay. It was a solid rom com kiss. And for yours, I think I would I think I'd I'd probably give it actually a similar grade. I'd probably give it a B plus. For me, obviously it lacks the the big passionate kiss in the scene. Mm-hmm. But like you, I definitely appreciate the the whole setup behind it, the context of the kiss, the meaning of it, the deeper, you know, in between the lines emotional impact of it and the symbolism. That that's good stuff. I'm with you. So yeah, and then of course there's the immediate awkwardness behind them. I I would uh, I would credit that toward just being uh, to toward two things. One, being a teenager, and two, his mom just dying. Yeah, yeah. And and then of course, you know, the old rom-com and American staple displaced anger occurs <laughs> mm-hmm. where he yells at her about everything <laughs> and it's just yeah. like oh no you're not mad at her you're mad about your mom dying <laughs> and yep. you're taking it out on her and yeah and then of course that that's the big moment in that burger king that leads to them not talking for 16 years yeah i thought that was a little bit of a stretch like- uh you sleep together you've been friends for how many years now and then you get in one little explosive exchange at a burger king and his mom just fucking died granted he said some awful shit but like i i didn't see anything that warranted not talking suddenly for let alone 16 years well i mean we don't necessarily know where she goes he obviously sticks around i guess they are going off to college yeah so like it's already a transitional period anyway yeah so she may have gone off to college somewhere and then gotten into cooking and then like and since like she didn't really have a relationship with her parents right and she already went off i'm sure she didn't like necessarily come back for holidays or anything else like that um or her parents might have moved to that new house um, before or like since she had left for college or whatever and so she True. wasn't necessarily next door to him if she ever came back home sort of thing and then, yeah you're, you're right we really don't know what the lead up was to to that yeah. and we and we don't know where she went either you're right exactly where but, even was she when we first see her again uh she's in la okay Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I already forgot. It's such a forgettable skyline. Um, (laughs) I think I remember seeing the Staples Center. Like, literally the one thing I recognize of the entire skyline of L.A. is the Staples Center. Your fucking basketball arena. Yeah. It's the only thing worth (laughs) remembering. Yeah. Well, that and the smog. That and the smog. (laughs) True. (laughs) Um, But also... uh, Looking at you, Dodgers. Oh, hey, (laughs) let's get to that, all right? Let's talk about in the heat of the World Series where the Dodgers (laughs) are in it. We have a savior among us, and his name is Marcus, (laughs) because he has not fallen from the true faith of baseball and is a true Giants fan. Oh, he did wear a Giants jersey, did he? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, during the opening shots, uh, 
I want to say it was like pictures of them when they were younger in the beginning, like the title sequence. Yeah. There's yeah. pictures of him with the giant shirt on. And I think there's like a giant's pennant up in the background of some of them. Yeah. I was picking up all as soon as I see black and orange, my brain just <laughs> triggers and is like, ooh, attention. Here's my question about all like so there's the part where he asks his dad for money so he can go do something with Sasha. Mm-hmm. And then as kids, they go out in San Francisco and have like this yeah, big what? romantic night where they go to Chinatown. They go sit what? on a bench by at night by the bridge and everything else like that. It's like, just, look, I understand you're, in the, you're supposed to be in the mid to late 90s, but there's no fucking way that you as two kids at like nine or ten years old are sitting on a bench by the bridge in San Francisco. No, no, you don't do that. That's... Like, I mean, I don't know. I didn't grow up in an Asian family in San Francisco, so I guess maybe, possibly, I mean, it I could be different. I just feel like any big city as yeah, ten year olds. I don't care if it's a Friday night. You're not just like walking around the bridge in a park at night. Like dark. I don't, I don't see that here. Like in Chicago. Yeah. No. I mean, now it's you know it's 2020. I don't see anyone I'm not outside. Two but kids walking the fucking lakefront <laughs> like at night, like that seems scary yeah. as fuck. Yeah, I exactly. As a goddamn grown as adult. Yeah, they're not walking around the Bean, you know, in Millennium Park at 10 p.m. They're not <laughs> going to get Portillo's hot dogs from a fucking vendor, food vendor, and walking around under the L tracks. <laughs> exactly. I you just know. Yeah, I, I you're right to say that this is supposed to be the '90s, but like even in the '90s, like we grew up in the '90s, we didn't do that shit. Granted, yeah. we didn't grow up in a huge city, but we still didn't do that shit in a small yeah. town. Hell no, just hell to the nah on that. Hell like, to the nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I mean, I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I thought of that too, and I was like, this is really strange. What? How yeah. old are they in that scene? They're like twelve, right? They're like they're prob they're like in their lower double digits, probably. Yeah, they're like young, young, like literal teenagers. They're not actual teens yet. Yeah, I think they're tweens. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they definitely have not hit puberty in that scene, or they're like probably starting not, to kind of. No. Thing. Yeah. So yeah, that just didn't like. If this was high school, yes, but. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there's, I mean, and then that kind of, well, okay. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about other things that just didn't seem that realistic, how about the popularity, even minuscule popularity of Hello Peril? Oh, they suck. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, I like I understand it's the protagonist, and you know yeah. Sasha showing. You know that, that was one of those rom com type, you know, archetypes that keeps getting thrown in random movies, and that was definitely one of the few very stereotypical, very hallmarky type things to throw in there. Where it's like, oh, you know, the band's great, and this and that and the other, and it's just like. That whole, like, I support the band. Of course, I love the band. No, I mean, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the musical stylings of the fucking band, where it's just like this whole, yeah, the mon the monotonous rapping over this like boilerplate like musical backing. I just didn't think any of it was like that. None of it was like good. <laughs> like I just, you know, like the whole. I bounce back like a tennis ball. I bounce back like a rare, fuck off. Like yeah, it's just, it was corny. It was corny as shit. It's just like what? Who was this made for? Like there's, I, I doubt. I don't believe that there's a Bay Area crowd for this music. Like I just don't believe you. Just anyway. I mean, it's the Bay Area. You never know. <laughs> yeah, and it's like this wasn't even good in the '90s when this was supposedly popular. Like this type of music. So why would you do it now? In 2019. Anyway. Anyway. Like I said, <laughs> it is the Bay Area. You never know. Yeah. I mean, um, 
Barrier was ground to a lot of a lot of new trends. So yeah, I, but of course that allows us to meet uh, Jenny, who's the worst, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then through double dating we get to meet Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we talked about it a little earlier in the podcast, but just how batshit. Is that part with Keanu Reeves? It's fucking hilarious. It's so it's unbelievable, so but it's amazing. It's like the, uh, it reminded me of the Will Ferrell scene in Wedding Crashers. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Where it's just, it's so outlandish, but like you're already so wrapped up in the story and laughing so hard that you're like, fuck <laughs> it, let's get weird for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's just. <laughs> you just kind of expect Keanu Reeves to just be like <laughs> like him coming in with like the the slow motion and the hands and like mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm. Him like I missed your blank I missed your blank oh my That's god what- yes that whole yeah. exchange I was I had to pause it I was on the fucking floor <laughs> especially that- because the pan the camera pans away from them and we just hear them talking in the background yes. And yes. whisper fucking each other. Uh, yes. And it's just like, and you hear the weird, raspy, low tone voice of Keanu just going, I missed your soul. I missed your <laughs> energy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And it's oh, in the yeah. background too. It's this, it's this disembodied voice of Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And it's, it's so outlandish and, and then uh, like, i feel like that's the equivalent of just like when owen wilson comes in and, and will ferrell just uh, is there and goes who the fuck are you <laughs> like just in pure hilarity and just like oh my god what are we in for yep and i to you you don't even realize when he sobs while eating the venison <laughs> oh my god i'm sorry Oh my god, it's so good! I just there's so many good, th- and then the fucking the game where they like where they talk about uh, what is it? Icebreakers when they play icebreakers. You know the and, good thing about icebreakers is you're supposed to keep up the pace. Yeah, and he's like, which is it's such an important moment for the story where. Like Sasha admits that she's been in love with Marcus her whole like their whole existence, yeah. and then <laughs> fucking Keanu is just like, you guys are taking too long. <laughs> 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 like, like fuck, fuck your feelings. We are playing icebreakers, <laughs> and then uh, and then he just like he breaks the va- the vase over his head. Yep, and then he fight he. Fucking gets hit by Marcus. The, the air fighting, um, the air fighting that he does that you brought yeah. up earlier. I'm so glad he did that on his own. That was that made me laugh so hard. He gets up and he's just like, he's like air fighting and just like Ali Wong is just staring at him, going, "What the fuck?" It was amazing. Yeah, truly amazing. <laughs> just. Like, I don't think I've liked Keanu Reeves more. I can't think of what either, honestly. I've I've never disliked him. I've never hated him like some people have, but... Yeah, but just like... Yeah, this this particular movie... Because, like, Keanu's, like, acting in other movies, and you're just like, oh, yeah, Keanu Reeves, he's, yeah. he's acting. But, like, Keanu playing Keanu in this made it, made, like, everything else he's done seem, like, better. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, no, where, completely. You just, like, you have more of an appreciation for other films he's done now, where it's just like, oh, that's just Keanu, because, like, he, he lampooned himself in this. Right, right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... I had a, a similar uh, horrible example, but um, I had a similar impact from when I watched Tropic Thunder with Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, so, Tom, that had the same 
That had the same effect. I would agree with that. Yeah. Where it's like, I think it's just these actors that we grew up with when we were kids that were always the serious like action star or serious, just serious actor. And, you know, we assume that they take themselves super seriously too. And then we see them in a, a much more comical, loose role like this where they're, you know, they're letting loose and it's nice to see. Mm-hmm. And I'm fucking hilarious. Yeah. And of course that whole scene and, you know, Sasha's, you know, admitting her feelings to Marcus leads to the Uber pool, right? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was like, the whole time they're in the backseat, like, who the fuck is driving? Why are you having this conversation with a driver? And then I forgot that it was actually a fucking Uber pool. I'm like, and so there's someone else in the goddamn passenger seat along with, and I love how they showed the driver first, yeah. which everyone expected. Then they slowly pan to yep. show the yep. passenger seat filled. It was like, that's such a good joke. That's perfect. That is such a good joke. And that joke, yeah. like you realize that joke was all done by post-production. Like yeah. that was not scripted. No, may no, not no. like it, it could have been that directed, but it could have also not been directed. That was that was scripted and directed. Why would there be someone in the passenger seat if they didn't already expect to do that? Well, I mean the, the pan out. The pan out could have been post-production. No, no, no. That's 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 the type of scene that you actually planned. Oh. Yeah, that's that's written in the script. Well, then, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but like, that's just a well-written joke. Like, just having the, you know, at, like, because it'd be written in like italics, like, you know, fade or fade back to, you know, as the as Marcus and Sasha are making out, fade back to drive picture driver awkwardly staring ahead not looking and then fade out once again to show a passenger also awkwardly holding a bag you know and and then passenger says and then like it shows the passenger dialogue and then right 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 like i could see it all in the script thing sort of but it's it's written um but like nonetheless still a great joke and then a really long makeout scene between the two of them mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like look i know y'all are friends y'all are close and y'all are trying to show like this is you know a lot of pent up feelings that you had for each other coming out right now, but I say damn <laughs> like just <laughs> like like yeah I thought like Allie's got a husband and I'm sure Randall's got a wife and y'all are just like doing this off camera like if I was their spouse in real life I'd be like. Eh. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, especially once you once you said that they actually were friends in real life and that they'd known each other for a while and been planning this movie for a while. I'm just thinking, like, just imagine being in the shoes of their spouses for a moment. Like, obviously, it takes a different mindset to be with, you know, actors to begin with. You're already, like, aware of what you're getting yourself into. But still, I find it hard to believe that, like, you're just sitting there going, oh, yeah, make out on screen for two minutes with, like, this friend that you've been planning to make, to write a love story together with for years. I'll be cool with it. Like, it just, I don't yeah. know. In the back of my mind, like, I'm sitting there going, I know it's their job. I know it's their job. I know it's their <laughs> job. Motherfucker, I'm going to kill that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then you know because they kind of they get together there then we have this we kind of get something that we don't usually get with rom-coms like rom-coms usually end right there where they get together they've gotten together love Mm -hmm. wins roll credits but we actually get to see the relationship yeah, we've seen uh, a couple rom coms recently that have had that. It's been it's been interesting. Yeah, like Ghost of Girlfriend's Past kind of had it too. Um, but yeah, like they then we get to see them be in a relationship and everything else, which leads to some funny moments, like Ali Wong saying, "Hey, that's my boyfriend." <laughs> like yeah. you can't have him. Yeah. If you hit on him, I will. I will mess up your life. I will, <laughs> I will find, find your security <laughs> number. <laughs> 
<laughs> God, she is so funny. She's so um, fucking funny. And then yeah, her they, eyes, her eyes when she gets super intense. Yes. It gets so fucking wide and expressive and, and like also intense. It's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. But the we get the relationship part, which is great, but then it also leads to, you know, we haven't solved the core root of the issue, which was Marcus is scared to make a move of any sort. And Sasha is, you know, wanting to progress with, like, progress to the next thing, which is what she's always done, which is like on to the next because, you know, uh, and then I don't have to care about things sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the both of them have to figure out that, you know, figure figure that out. And so that leads to the the scene where she's going to her restaurant opening. She's about to get in the car and they have their fight. And then she's talking to him while he's on the balcony and she's mm-hmm. down at the car. I thought I love that scene. I love how she's the one giving the speech on the driveway up to him. It's, you know, it's a, it's a slight reversal of gender roles. Who were, if you go all the way back to like Romeo and Juliet, for instance, Romeo is the one speaking to Juliet right. up on the balcony. Here she is speaking to him sort of thing. Um, you know, there's, I, I like that part aspect of it. Um, I, I just, I thought the speech she gave too was fantastic where she just, once again, just honesty, where it's just like, I've loved you for so long. <laughs> and like, yeah. where, when she, when she said, I love you, like that's how yeah. she ends, starts to end her speech. Yes. And like exactly. he, like his expression is perfect because it's, I was sitting there going, thinking the same thing, thinking this is about to be over or at least end in a horrible, you know, fight. And then she says something endearing. It's it catches you off guard. And it's just like, you fool. What are you doing? Exactly. It sets it up to be that much more heartbreaking when he says, I can't leave. Yeah. Just from sheer, just sheer fear. (laughs) That rhymed. Um, Which like, obviously we know why he can't or why he thinks he can't. Yeah. But in the moment. Yeah. Like you said, like dummy dude. Yeah. It's just like, how could you not at this point? And also the dad, which Mr. Kim. Oh, he gets a shout out. Yeah. He's awesome. He ramped it up by the end of the movie into a phenomenal supporting character. Yeah. He was fantastic throughout uh, when they were getting like exfoliated on or whatever the hell. (laughs) He was, um, (coughs) he was just like, there's no one like Sasha. Like he knows right from jump. And it's just like, uh, and, and uh, just, I love, I, I love when he that, that scene where he was just like, "There's no one like Sasha," and yeah. like obviously you need to go make that happen. But then Keanu Reeves happened. I love when he loses his shit on Marcus at the end <laughs> in the kitchen. Yeah, and he's like, "Why the fuck would you think I need help? Like, I don't need you to watch over me. I don't need you to put a needle in my ass." Mm-hmm. <laughs> You don't think I can put a needle in my own damn ass? <laughs> I love when he comes like they randomly have a Diana Ross impersonator at that. I show, know. Which knowing like I grew up in my like in my community there's a very small like Asian community and that's the type of shit like they would say when they would have it. Like that that is a thing. <laughs> like that there's just random <laughs> Like karaoke and impersonators and things like that that happen at like even kids parties and shit like that. Korean um, Elvis. Yeah, Korean Elvis and How I Met Your Mother. Uh, but then also the fact that he gets with her in real life and then <laughs> when Marcus comes in toward the end of the movie <laughs> and he goes, Donna Summer? Yeah. And then she responds by saying Diana Ross. Diana Ross. <laughs> she was like, Kathy. <laughs> like, 
once again, just well-written jokes throughout. Very well written. Uh, yeah, yeah it's just little quick wit. Like lots yeah. of quick wit. Yes, lots of quick wit. And then, and also the speeches are great because not only did Sasha give a great speech initially, but then when Marcus finally figures out everything and goes to see her at that red carpet, his speech to her on the red carpet is fucking fantastic. Yeah. It, like just the whole want to grow old with you and it really else. is it really yeah. is he it was like just the right amount of bumbling so you know he's sincere yes. and you know he's he's really truly opening up he's being his real self his unfiltered mm-hmm. self mm-hmm. and that makes it that much better and and i love that they acknowledge that in the movie mm-hmm. where she says what did, what did she say you thought that was bad or She's like that. That was the bad part. That like, was that was the bad was version. The bad, yeah. And he goes, "That was good." <laughs> <laughs> like even then, even after saying it and seeing her reaction, he still isn't quite sure. Like, is that what you want to hear? <laughs> and so, yeah. seeing that in her, I think, gives him the last little ounce of confidence in himself that he needs to push mm-hmm. him. And like fully complete his, you know, rebirth from that period of his life. Mm-hmm. And I I thought it was perfect. That whole speech, perfect. And then you know that leads to him finding out about her new restaurant. Yeah, and that part was so. That was so touching. It's just that's a great way to end the film because not only is it just like this romantic bit, but it's also just touching. Yeah, just yeah. It's Where... it's the kind of romance that like you don't always see in rom coms. You don't see the real, true love. Like they they skipped ahead essentially and showed us them truly in love as if this was five years into a marriage kind of thing, you know, or five Mm -hmm. years into a relationship or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're right in that little scene, they encapsulate it perfectly and show us like how in love they are. Yeah. It just truly great. Just, just great. Just great. I, yeah. Like it is just once again, the connection between, like not only uh randall and Allie, or not markets and sasha but randall and Allie. you know what i mean just showcased through that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he's got to get so, rid of that car though <laughs> i had i had a i had a little toyota corolla in high school it was like a 1978 i'm pretty sure he, i'm pretty sure he did it yeah that it was gotten rid of or something so um so yeah what uh what would you so after discussing the film here and everything else what is your verdict for this film um well hang on here i think you got to tell us if they stay together uh what happens after after yeah of course they stay together all right just making sure there's not even discussion on that just making the, sure. I just like the, I wanted to believe in it, so thank you. Oh, yeah, they they're definitely still together and everything. Um, I would say what happens after ever after is, I mean, I mean sadly, that's really all I need to know. I I needed to make sure they just stay together. <laughs> sadly, I just don't know if any of those restaurants are still open right now. Oh. Yeah, that's the real happily ever after. Not happily. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the real what happens after after is like I, that there's that the pandemic wiped out all those restaurants. Yeah. Well, maybe some of them survived with uh, Grubhub. Uh, with like high quality fare like that? I don't know. Um, um, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of uh, oh, that's true. there's a lot of like Chicago places. They're still yeah. Open. There's a lot of big time uh, restaurants great. still open, doing yeah. like all sorts of deals now, and you can essentially get like your your own 
you know, curated entire, you know, five course meal mm. for like a set price, you know, they've created these special menus and delivery. They have their own type of delivery platform, certainly not Grubhub, but yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen a bunch of those deals lately. I, in fact, I was thinking of doing them for a couple dates that I've gone on in the past where it's like, you can, there's a couple of really nice restaurants that have like a $40, you know, five, five plate concourse or not concourse um course five course whatever and uh it's it's really cool the whole setup that they go through for it the whole like all the different uh garnishings that they use to make sure that they kind of try to keep the ambiance as much as they can from the restaurant it's cool i like seeing that awesome well that answers uh that answers all the questions i asked about uh the restaurants there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, what's your verdict for the film? Um, uh, I am no more sure of my answer now than I was when we started recording. <laughs> um, you know what? Just because I haven't seen it more than once and I can't speak surely, I gotta fuck it. I can't marry it, but it's up there. Uh, it's, I mean, I laughed the whole time when there was funny parts, but that was the beauty of it is that it really, it roller coasted to a point that it, it gave you a nice balance between the good and the bad. It showed you how life complicates really simple. Fuck it. I'm marrying it. Bad, Fuck it. No, uh, like uh, this is, this is a solid movie to watch. It's got a lot of different messages, all coalescing, all merging together. It's, it's got, it's got good bones. It's a good solid movie that I think would be, that I predict would be very watchable no matter what period in life you are in. Yeah. I am marrying the film as well. Um, and this is the fourth straight film I've married. <laughs> you have had a good run lately. Yeah, I just the this film is fantastic. I I uh, it, I would have fucked it after the first viewing, but I'm really glad I got to see it again because you chose it. And so, yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of the thing that the feeling that I have walking away from it is like I don't know if I would like it again if I watched it again. Cause I, yeah, I haven't seen it yet more than once, but yeah, it's I mean, one of those movies where you really, f I feel like I, I really would watch it again and love it. Yeah. And that I could, like I said, watch it throughout different periods of my life and still connect to it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a Mary for me. Nice. So nice. yeah, you can find us. Uh, on social media, our show's Instagram is Bromancing the Stone Podcast. All one word together, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. That's where I live tweet the movies each week as I watch them before we record. Uh, so, Bro the Stone Pod on Twitter. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in Super. So S-U-P-R Market Sweep. I had that way before the new show was on. I still haven't watched it yet, but I hear good things. <laughs> and uh, you can find me on Instagram at Relusa88. That's R-E-L-U-S-A-88. And Max? On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted with a period, T-H-E period, L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. And on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted with an underscore, T-H-E underscore L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. All right. And so it's my choice for a film. I am going to be frank. I did not really have a choice in mind coming up. Uh, and then one kind of popped in my head when we started talking about Mr. Keanu Reeves. Uh, hmm. There's a film he came out with a couple years ago uh, with Winona Ryder called destination wedding that i watched and i enjoyed that does sound it familiar is, it's on amazon prime we'll make it the choice or you're I'm not you're not keeping the netflix trend going huh well it's another streaming service <laughs> so yeah well someone did not mute their phone yeah my bad
<laughs> yeah, uh, I was waiting for you to admit it. So, um, so yeah, I uh, I think we should watch Destination Wedding. I've watched it once. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to watching it again to see if I still enjoy it. I'm real interested to see what you think of it. Um, and I'm real interested to talk about it in regards to the rom-com tropes that we also talk about in the show. So I think it'll be, I think it's, you know, we have a good reason to check it out. I honestly didn't know Keanu Reeves was ever in a rom-com. So yeah, I mean, he's been in rom-droms before you like in, in uh, a walk in the clouds, for instance, that was one of my mom's favorite movies. Uh, the Lake House. Uh, with oh, Bullock. Jesus Christ. How did I forget that? How yeah, did I forget are, that? Those are technically romantic dramas, and we don't do those here. We don't do those here, guys. So quit asking. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I think The Lake House was the first movie I ever bought in college. I. And with that, I hate we myself will catch that you. Fact. <laughs> and with that, we will catch you. <laughs> Next week to the tens and tens of listeners. We love y'all. We thank y'all. That's that on that. Peace. Love you guys.